Hello, and welcome to the Dance Teacher Toolbox. I'm your host, Brenda Bobby, and here you'll find all things dance. So whether you're a dancer, a dance educator, studio owner, or just a lover of movement, I'm here to help you find the tips, tricks, and tools you need to be a success. During this worldwide pandemic, dance studio owners of both large and small businesses are nervous and trying to navigate these unsettling times. Today's guests are no stranger to the dance community. Their studio was started by their mom in 1950, and they have grown their studio into one of the finest training facilities in the U.S. I'm excited and honored to have Michelle and Molly Larkin on our show today to share how they're handling the stresses, the ups, the downs, and the uncertainties of this time when owning a dance studio. Please welcome to the show, Michelle and Molly Larkin. Thank you so much for being here today. I know the listeners have a ton of questions about your studio and how you've done what you've done over the years, and hopefully you'll grace me with another interview post-coronavirus, but um, I wanted to have you on today because I know so many dance studios across the country are really struggling financially and really scared about how they're going to survive this, not just in the weeks, but in the months and years to come. And um, I'm assuming that because you're a family business that's been around since 1950, that this has got to be a huge concern for you um, and your entire family. And I just wanted to know how you guys were like handling everything. Are you guys at a stay-at-home order in Minnesota? What's been your experience? Are, you know, are you struggling? I know um, some of the studios are doing those online classes. Tell me a little bit about what have been your challenges and what... What what your experience has been so far during this whole crazy time? Okay, so um, this is Molly, and we had received a shutdown notice March 15th, and it was going to be March 15th to the 27th. So, of course, you're like, okay, we can do this. Um, and then now it's, ex- it's extended until April 30th. We My mom started the studio in 1950, and she went through you know, all of this over and over and over with different things. And I think just being optimistic and having our faith, it's really helped. Um, We're staying really positive. We don't have a choice, right? Right. We're doing online classes with the kids, keeping them engaged. We also are with our recreational program. Um, We have the teachers teaching them too, and that's a challenge, but it's our second week. So we're doing our best and um, just staying optimistic and positive and being there for each other. We have a studio uh, group text with our teachers and we check in with them daily. And I guess we're just being optimistic and happy and that we're still here and keeping the business going. Yeah, okay. our goal. That's great. Well, I think, I think it's really important that we keep the kids, uh, excited about something. It's what they're going through is a lot more than what we're going through. Um, as far as, you know, they're stuck in the house now. The weather here is a little bit better so they can all go out and run. But I think when they go online and see their teacher's face, it, it just gives them hope that it's gonna, it's gonna get better. Real soon, we're hoping. Yeah, we hope so. What was your process with online? Are you pretty tech savvy or, um, how, what, what avenues did you use? Are you using Zoom? Did you have teachers set it up? Did you have people come in and do it? Um, I know 
for me, it's been a learning curve um, in terms of technology and teaching in that aspect. And how did you guys navigate that? Well, thank God our, our faculty is all computer savvy. So they've been really good with doing the Zoom classes. Uh, I, If I had to do it myself, we wouldn't have online classes personally. Mm -hmm. But we have a very young, energetic staff that works has been working ridiculously hard to make this all possible for us. If it wasn't for them, I don't know how we'd stay alive right now. That's amazing. You're very fortunate. Um, do you have any advice yeah. for some maybe smaller studios that, you know, don't have the um, bandwidth to have teachers, you know, assist them? Do you have any resources um, that you could suggest for them or any other ideas? Maybe they're just totally outside of the box of going online, do you have any other tips for them to kind of, like, try to keep the kids engaged? Well, if, if they can't figure out the whole Zoom thing, they can videotape themselves uh, recording from their phone of the dances that they need to keep working on, uh -huh. and they can send videos out to their um, their dancers that's that's a parents. great idea. Um, also, I know that you have a huge student body, like, oh, Close to a thousand students, I think. Is that right? We have eight hundred students. Okay, so are generally your classes size, you know, manageable? I know in Zoom you get those little like you know squares on your screen. If you have a class of twenty five, thirty people, um, how do you manage a Zoom you know type class when you have a, you know a large number of dancers? Do you guys kind of just put it on pause and teach? and not give as much feedback then? How do you handle large volume classes? Because I would imagine that's got to be very challenging. With the larger classes, we have two teachers, so one's demonstrating and then one's doing corrections. I see, okay. Um, making the corrections on the kids. And then the smaller ones, the one teacher is standing up dancing with them, facing them. Okay. So that that's good. they navigated how to do it, uh, to switch it, where the kids would see them doing the same way before it was challenging, but now they've... And I think it really helps when the teacher, um, I don't know what do you call it, Ma, when you, when you pin them so the box opens really big. Yes. And they'll use that one student to assist what you want from them so the kids can watch it. I think that helps a lot. And I think it's really important for your teachers when they're, uh, they're doing the Zoom classes that they try to, um, pin each student so everybody can watch them at least once so everybody gets a chance to be recognized. That's a great tip because I don't think that that's been emphasized enough, um, at least yeah. in the threads that I've seen, about really pinning each one and being able to focus on each individual person even for a short duration. Thank you for yeah. that. I think it's really important, too, that when you, um, when the, right when the class starts, that you have everybody's faces come really close to the computer. So each one of them, you can say hi to each one of them personally and give them a big smile. And and everything, uh, when we're trying to ask questions and want answers back, we use the thumbs up. They have to put their thumb up if they understand and they under, know what we want from them. But I think it's good for the kids to be able to see each other really close and get it out the first five minutes of class, whatever they want to talk, they want to see each other. It's, I mean, it's a lot of pent-up time to not be able to see your friends. So right. that time with each other for a couple of minutes is really awesome, too. 
that I love the thumbs up idea too. That visual mm -hmm. is really good, especially when people are having trouble with audio and everything else. Do you right. do you require your dancers when they're taking online classes or encourage them, I should say, to wear their quote unquote uniform so that they have that mindset that they're, you know, in, you know, their Larkin ballet class, even though they may not be in the physical building? Or are you a little more lax on how they participate in your program right now? Well, I, I um, stalked one of the classes yesterday, <laughs> and they didn't know I was on. And I'm looking, and I asked, and I said to the the ballet teacher, "Why do they have shorts on?" <laughs> and they and they all just short drop. <laughs> and and if the kids' hair, I was like, um, you know, Grace, why is your hair a mess? How is it supposed to look? And she went off the screen and put her hair the way it needed to be. No, you have to absolutely keep everything. Normal. Yes, I totally so agree. Yes. Yeah, they have to do those. Um, my kids are all in school now, too, so they do school during the morning and dance in the afternoon mm -hmm. tonight. And, you know, there for school, they can do whatever they want. But for dance, it has to stay the same. The kids really like it when it's you have a routine. A routine. Right. Like they're used to having. Don't change it because they're going to come back and you're going to have to break all those old habits again. I totally agree with that. <laughs> so you said you're having teachers teach online. So obviously, it's, I know from doing it myself, it's a lot more work than just going in and teaching class in a studio setting. Are you compensating your teachers um, the way they would be paid when they were teaching? Have you had to cut their hours or shorten their class times? I've noticed a lot of online classes are 30 minutes long, and I'm thinking, who the heck has a 30-minute dance class or ballet class? So how have you structured that so that you can actually stay afloat but yet, you know, compensate your teachers the way um, they can still stay afloat as well? We are um, having the full uh, recreational hour classes and then the competition classes, an hour and a half or two hours, and we are paying our teachers. And have you had a lot of students withdraw, I guess, mostly the recreational program because of the in uncertainty of things and the financial obligation and the quote-unquote free classes that are all over the Internet? We, um, for the recreational, we've lost some, yes, because the outcome, our recital is the end of May. Mm. So they're like, well, this is not going to get better till then. So we're going to pull our daughter. And yep. then, and then we offer them a discount and, you know, try to get them to stay, but they, they're pretty have their mindset being laid off and other fi financially burdened. So dance is obviously the first thing to go. So let's talk about your recital. If it was supposed to be at the end of the May, what what are you doing? Are you going to just not have a recital? I know my daughter's a senior in high school this year, and I am feeling for her that she's not getting prom. She may not have an actual graduation. Um, what are you going to do to try to, you know, rectify some of that? And what did you do about finances? I know as a studio owner, you know, I had to pay for venue, you know, months and months in advance, and that went out of my pocket. And how are you handling that situation um, are you planning on rescheduling? Are you just putting a kibosh on it? Are you refunding? Well, I think if there's anything um, through this that's really important is that we give our graduating seniors a send-off. They've given us their whole life, and so have their parents. So out of respect for them, that, first and foremost, the most important thing for me is to have a recital. If it doesn't happen in, in May, 
I will make sure that it happens before they go to college. I don't know. We're working on that right now. The college hasn't been, is closed right now, but as of May 1st or something, I think it's going to reopen, but I don't, I don't really know that. Mm -hmm. So we're keeping the date and hoping that we can have a recital at some point. That's great. I know some of the, some of the competitions have rescheduled in June. And so, and nationals is still on the, on the schedule, but I, I don't know. You know, it's all up in the air. Right. Yeah, that was but my... I na- will give my seniors the recital. That's that's amazing. I think that's really important. You know, it's kind of a rite of mm-hmm. passage. And like you said, they've given up a lot to dance. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's our obligation is... Well, I think they've been so good to, like, all, all the kids in the studio. They're such good role models for all the little ones. And all the little ones want to see them up on the stage. Right. For our recital every year, our um, comp girls and boys all get to do a senior solo where they have voiceovers on it, saying goodbye and thanking their family and their teachers Aww. and thanking the little kids in the studio. Uh-huh. So I think it's really important for us to um, do it for the little kids, too. Right, I I agree. And you had mentioned nationals. I know um, Larkin does attend nationals pretty frequently. Um, you were, you know, Studio of the Year at Dance Awards. I know I've seen you at, you know, Hall of Fame many a times. Are you still planning mm-hmm. to attend nationals? And has any um, family or team in your studio kind of said there's no way that even if it is happening that we're taking either that you know, physical health risk or the financial risk of going and, you know, spending money that we don't know we're going to be able to, you know, let go of? Well, I'm sure they're thinking that, but nobody has come out and say that yet. Okay. Nobody, we haven't had any emails or any phone calls. Um, so we're hoping that we can go. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, we have to wait and see what the president and government says, but... Um, that is our plan to, of course, attend the dance awards in the end of June. And you said, did you have any competitions during this time that were canceled? Um, Hall of Fame and Showbiz, we were both attending, and they both have rescheduled for June. So we're hoping we can attend those that were allowed. That's great. And did um, if the people cannot attend, are they providing refunds or not? I know there's a big controversy about how, you know, competitions aren't refunding, they're giving credits, and I think we're all in the same boat. I don't care if you're a studio owner or a competition owner, you know, we're all in the same the same position, and so we're all doing our best. Um, were you able to get any type of refunds from any events that you couldn't attend? Yes, they're giving um, 75% back and then 25 towards next year. That's amazing. Um, yep, yep, so they're all being great. It's the costume companies I'm having problems with. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a store full of at least a hundred thousand dollars worth of costumes for all the rec kids because we didn't pass them out before the this all happened. And there's been a couple kids that quit, and we tried to return some of the costumes, and they wouldn't let us do it. Oh wow! Yeah, it's past the thirty days because I ordered all mine uh, beginning of January. So I got them January and February, mm-hmm. and you you're out of luck. Thirty days, that's it. Wow, that's that's kind of unbelievable, especially because they're not 
And they're not custom. These are catalog type costumes. Exactly. So, or rec classes. Yeah. yeah. So that that's that's surprising, but you know, hopefully, you know, they'll have a change of heart, especially if there's you know multiple studios that are in the same boat, because even if they could sell them next year at a reduced rate, that could help everyone out. You know. Exactly. Um, so they uh, say it's going to take about two to three years for all of this to kind of like go back to our financial norm. Um, obviously, dance is an extracurricular activity, and, you know, it's not necessary, although if you ask the dancer, they'll say it's absolutely necessary. But with parents, you know, possibly facing unemployment or extended time without um, an income, do you guys have any, you know, ideas or things that you're planning to do for your maybe summer or even next season to kind of retain your clients or maybe even, you know, gain new clients with different programs or types of incentive programs or something that can kind of like keep you guys afloat and, you know, help some studio owners and teachers get some ideas of how they're not going to, you know, lose their shirt in the next coming years. Well, I think, uh, that's a really great question, and I think we're all trying to navigate how we're going to do it. But I think just offering some camps, um, extra camps in the summer at discounted rates, you know, like some, even for the little kids, some princess camps, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, for the older kids, hip-hop, you know, like um, boot camps, that type of thing. Are you, are you, when you say a camp, that's, is it going to be something that's a short, like two or yeah, three hours yeah. a day type thing? Yep. Okay. Like, yes, yeah, uh, two to six hours a day and, uh, different genres, obviously. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just think we have to do something. I was even thinking of, um, opening a daycare for the summer, mm, mm -hmm. you know, for the first responders. And even if it's volunteer, just doing something, it's, this whole thing has just got everybody in. Tizzy, and I don't, you know, I hope it ends soon. Yes, I do as well. Um, I want to go back to your studio, your actual physical studio, um, and just talk finances because I think that's the forefront of everyone's like concern. How are they going to pay their rent? Do you guys um, have a building that you own or do you rent? And um, how are you managing not to, you know, have? I know a lot of companies are saying that. They'll tack it on next month or next year. But, you know, obviously in the summer, dance studios usually take a hit financially. So, you know, if they postpone that payment until August, that's really not going to help most dance studios. Um, right. What it, What is your um, take on the situation or um, what advice can you give to other people to kind of, you know, get through this hurdle of this financial uncertainty? And did you have... Um, a nest egg so that you, I know a lot of studios operate on a shoestring budget because we believe that, you know, for some reason, it's not really a, a job, it's a passion project. And so right. we, we tend to pay ourselves last, which means we have very little, you know, savings and nest egg. And when something like this happens, you know, the, usually the studio owners are the ones that, you know, get hit the hardest. Yes, we uh, own our building. Um, and we've owned it for six years and we just refinanced in January. And I, um, my banker is a wonderful man. He's been in close contact and, uh, what Michelle and I will probably have to do is just make our, um, interest only payments mm -hmm. for, uh, the time being. Um, and we're looking into some 
funding too. They have some funding out there for uh, small businesses, so we're looking into that as well. Um, but I think you know, just get in contact with your landlord or your uh, bank and just you know tell them that you're going to do your best and pay what you can. Yeah, I agree. Um, you talked about funding. Is that through the state of Minnesota or is that more federal relief? Can you give any insight about where people might be able to, you know, check out some resources to get some aid um, for their either small business or as a freelance, you know, professional? Um, they have uh, the disaster um, small business loans, disaster relief, and then they have um, the CARE Act and then payments protection plan ppp and those so, are those um, are all government-based um yeah okay yeah and do you know yeah. of any um independent funding for the arts or education program i'm i haven't been able to find any but i gotta no, imagine I there's i've got to imagine there's some out there but i've looked and i've really struggled to find something that was you know just geared towards you know the small business in the arts community, and I was just wondering if you had any insight into that. Nope, just those three that I just said are the okay. ones that I've researched and um, will probably apply for, yeah. Okay, great. Do you have any other advice or um, tips that you could give, you know, maybe newer studios or smaller studios, you know, that have only like 50 to 100, you know, students in their whole student body, if they have, you know, 10 or 20 drop, it's a huge percentage of their, you know, clients. What do you have any advice or words of wisdom in your, you know, lifetime experience with the Larkin Studio? Because obviously, you know, you've I'm sure you've had ups and downs throughout all of this, not just Corona. Obviously, this is the most impactful. But I mean, you've managed to retain the reputation and, you know, the studio of this magnitude for many, many years. So there's got to be something that um, that you're doing that is allowing that to happen generation after generation. Well, I think it's um, with us, it's because we're family, you know. My mom, like Molly had said, is the founder of this beautiful place. And and uh, she was type A, loved what she was doing. She was so passionate. And she, you know, Molly and I are the same way. Um, we eat, sleep, and breathe this. And I personally try to think of something that every day to make it better, bigger and better. And it's... Because the kids love it so much, too. You know, if you raise really great kids, it's it's going to make you look better, too. So I would tell them, please, all the teachers that have 50 students, you got to start somewhere and you can't give up. You right. know, um, I think it's important that when you go to a competition, go to the big ones. Let your kids see fabulous dancers all the time. And you can get there, too. Right. No. I... I um, I love what I do. I'm passionate about it. My sister Molly's uh, the same way. I have my niece Mackenzie who is bringing, you know, a, a nice, young, hip energy to the place. Um, all my faculty. I have great faculty that try to keep um, the kids really motivated to want to be the best. Wow. But if you want to stay one of the best, you have to work. You have to work, work, work and not give up. That is great advice, and I can attest firsthand that 
it happens year after year. I'm always blown away by, you know, what you guys put on the stage and off the stage. Personally, I've seen how your dancers and both you ladies and your staff interact and support not only your dancers, but the dance community at large in Minnesota and even all over the country. So um, I think Thank that you. you guys are a role model to you know, any any studio, big or small, it doesn't matter your size, it matters the size of your heart. Teachers remember it's not how many turns you can do, it's what kind of a kid you're raising and and I think sometimes we get caught up in like who wins first, second, third and fourth place and really at the end of the day it really is what kind of kids you're raising. I think that right. shines through every time that you you know, step foot in any type of dance arena. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and hopefully put some ease into some of these studio owners who might be freaking out. Um, you know, seasoned uh, studio owners like yourself, I'm sure are very unsteady right now with what's going to happen, but keeping a level head and, you know, just keeping positive is, I guess, the best we can do. But you've had some really great um, insight for online classes and how to like navigate through the financial things so i really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and um hopefully i'll get to see some of your dancers um maybe even yourselves at you know some dance event coming up in the summer don't give up just keep working hard and and uh and keep going with your online classes and god bless everybody oh thank you thank you so much ladies i really appreciate it you're, wel you're welcome Thanks thank you brenda Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dance Teacher Toolbox. I'm your host, Brenda Bobby, and I aim at bringing you prompt podcasts to improve your productivity and performance in dance because without collaboration, our growth is limited by our own perspectives. Don't miss any of the tools of the trade. Subscribe now to the Dance Teacher Toolbox.